0: To my channel so the case I'm going to be telling you about today is definitely one of the weirdest I have covered um, it's very strange and I think people are going to have very mixed opinions on it I definitely fall somewhere in the middle of the whole situation. It's one of those cases that I don't really feel like I have a good grasp for what truly happened at the end of the day. A lot of it is very up in the air and confusing. So I definitely want to hear your thoughts. Personally, I'm very curious about how you guys will react to this family that I'm about to tell you about to this mother. Her name is Hannah Overton and this is the Overton family. Larry and Hannah are the parents and they were very good Christian parents. and they got married when they were pretty young and they were living in Corpus Christi Texas and they had a huge heart for kids and they were also a very religious family they were very devoted to their faith and to Christianity they actually did missionary work for a few years they were definitely considered to be really good people because they did a lot to give back through their church. And Hannah Overton actually had been doing volunteer work for a lot of her life, even when she was a teenager. She used to spend her holidays volunteering at an orphanage across the border in Reynosa. She spent a lot of her time helping to feed, bathe, and minister kids who were living on the streets. And in addition to this, she had even spent several years caring for special needs children who were severely disabled. Hannah really loved children, and she specifically told her husband that one day in the future she wanted to adopt a child, specifically a child who had some type of disability or issue that they could help guide in. So as you can tell, Hannah was a pretty good person like people around her knew her as being a very very good person so after Hannah and Larry got married they had four kids and after they had their fourth kid they started to think about possibly adopting a fifth child and this was something that Hannah always wanted to do she always knew that she wanted to be a mom of several different children and she wanted it so that not all of them were her actual biological children in 2005 Hannah and Larry decided to start taking the whole adoption process a lot more seriously, really going after it, trying to make sure they were all lined up to adopt a child into their family. And they actually did find a little girl. She was nine years old and she was deaf. So it was a perfect fit. Hannah wanted a child with disabilities. So they were really, really excited. But by the time they got everything you know, sorted in the process, which it's a huge process. Adoption's a crazy long process that is difficult and confusing and stressful. So once they got through all of that, towards the end of the process of them being able to adopt, they actually lost this little girl because she was adopted by a different family, which is good, but it was kind of upsetting for them. But they still wanted to go ahead with the idea of adopting. So as I mentioned, they were a Christian family and so much so that Larry actually taught a Sunday school program for kids and Hannah taught a Bible study. So they were very devoted and their children were also very involved in the church as well. So not long after they had lost the first girl that they tried to adopt, they ended up coming across a little boy in their church who was a foster child and their foster family attended the church and they were looking for someone to adopt him. His name was Andrew Bird. So Andrew had a speech delay and he spoke very gently. He even spoke sometimes with a bit of a stutter, and the Overton family had heard that every Sunday, Andrew was praying when they had their prayer request or something during their Sunday school, that he was praying to get adopted. So just really tugs on your heartstrings. What are you looking for, Andrew? I'm looking for that. And the Overton daughters actually were in Sunday school with him and they overheard him saying this and that's when they brought the idea to their parents of adopting Andrew Bird. So they started thinking about possibly adopting Andrew, but as soon as word got out to other people in the church that they were even considering it, a lot of warnings came in from other people about his behavioral problems. Now, obviously a lot of kids in foster care have behavioral problems. Andrew's birth mom actually gave birth to him when she was only 16 and she used a Variety of substances, but she had really abused a lot of things while she was pregnant with Andrew Andrew's father was also really young only 17 and his father actually worked at a traveling carnival So he was almost never home terrible situation and way too young of parents So how did Andrew end up in foster care? Well, CPS ended up Launching an initial investigation when he was brought into the hospital on his first birthday for a broken arm and after this there were four more investigations launched into reports of abuse and neglect so he was just in a very bad home and apparently his grandmother also had a substance abuse problem so she also could not take care of Andrew so CPS decided it was best to remove him from the home he was only two and a half years old when they decided that he was in immediate danger and needed to be put in a foster home and his parents both lost complete parental rights to him a little after he turned three years old so obviously Andrew is a kid that has a lot of problems he really came from a rough rough situation and tons of kids in foster care have these behavioral problems because they were in such rough situations before they got adopted or you know ended up in a new foster home So it is very common and people in the church were warning them about this Andrew was actually supposed to be adopted by the church pastor and his wife But after they spent more time with him They decided that he was too much for them to handle and they backed out of it So the Overton's decided to step up and try to take on the challenge of having Andrew join their family but At the same time that they made this decision, Hannah also got pregnant. So they are about to have six kids. Andrew had all of these behavioral problems going in. Specifically, he would hoard food. He would take food out of the trash. He would store food, try to hide food from people, which is very, very common. He also threw really bad temper tantrums. I mean, he was a very angry kid, a very upset kid. And on top of all this, Larry was also experiencing a bit of financial problems. His job was really only allowing him to barely bring in ends meet. And so they were pretty strapped financially and just... Emotionally they had a lot going on. She's pregnant. They have four, about to be five, about to be six kids. So the stress levels are very high. The Overton family truly felt like if anyone could raise this kid and help him get through, you know, his problems, it was them. Hannah really felt like she was meant to be a mother. So in spring of 2006, they went ahead and proceeded with the adoption process. Andrew was going to come live with them for a six month trial period before the adoption was finalized. So that's what he was doing. So he moved in with them as foster at first. They were really, really excited about him joining their family, especially their kids. They knew him from Sunday school, and they were super excited to have him as a brother. They really wanted him to feel as welcome as possible. They built, like, a three-tiered bunk bed for their sons to all sleep in with Andrew, and they also got him a bunch of Spider-Man stuff because he loves Spider-Man, so they got him, like, the Spider-Man toothbrush, shoes, sheets, blankets, everything, like, decked him out in Spider-Man stuff, so he would be really excited when he came. So that year, actually on Mother's Day, Andrew spent the first day with the Overton families and he became attached to them extremely quickly, soon calling Hannah mommy and Larry daddy. And he followed Larry around everywhere he went. He really loved Larry. He was doing really well. Even at Sunday school, he was doing way better. They noticed at Sunday school that he seemed to be in a good home, that he seemed happier and more upbeat. More trusting
1: God to move. Pastor Rod Carver and his wife, Noreen, noticed an immediate change in Andrew. If you saw him around the church, Andrew was always with his brothers and sisters. Andrew would uh, tag along on Larry's feet all the time.
0: He started being able to put sentences together easier, put you know words together and make sense. And their adoption supervisor even noted that Andrew seemed like he was in an awesome home with loving parents. And even though to everyone else and at Sunday school he did seem like he was making a lot of improvements, there were still some major issues that the Overtons were experiencing back at their house. They noticed that he would act more like a toddler than a preschooler, like he was just delayed a bit. Um, one of the ways was instead of like using his words to say. Like I want that he would just point at something and go uh and you know a lot of younger kids do that But you kind of grow out of that as you get older so he wasn't doing that when he was four years old He spent most of his time playing with their youngest son who was two years old instead of their four-year-old they said that his motor skills were really behind and he just was going to need a lot of work for a long time. He was also physically really unsteady. He was very clumsy. Hannah was super worried about his safety, about him knocking into something. She would make him wear an inflatable life vest just to go in there like little toddler pool. Uh, she was very, very worried about him getting into something because he was just kind of a busy kid. But his most odd behavior was his obsession with food and eating. Um, And this makes sense like you we don't know exactly what happened to him when he was at his first home he could have been you know kept from food or Starved we have no idea what he's been through to make him like that But that is very common in foster children the whole hoarding and just food issues and general eating disorders Regardless of how much Andrew ate he always said that he was still hungry if he was denied seconds or thirds He would throw a tantrum absolutely freak out and rage at them. He would literally look on the ground for crumbs. He also got caught trying to eat strange things like cat food and play-doh, crayons, toothpaste, glow sticks. He was literally eating pieces of the carpet. They could barely bring him along on errands because he would always grab stuff and eat random things off of the shelves and then not to mention he would eat things in the parking lot off the ground. He would even try to pull up gum off the ground and eat that. And if you think the gum's bad, he also would try to eat cigarette butts. So his problems went very deep. They took him to the doctor and they determined that it probably wasn't a medical problem, that it was just a behavioral issue and they thought you know with more time and more love and patience that he would grow out of it. The adoption agency had shown them plenty of cases of children who had this problem and grew out of it so they were hoping that would happen for Andrew too but later that year in September it would actually get worse because the family was in a car accident and this really really upset Andrew and just threw him off. It wasn't a terrible accident that's for sure. Um, The only one who was really injured was Hannah and she wasn't even that injured. She got like whiplash on her neck and she got a bruise on her face from where she hit the dashboard But it was still upsetting for Andrew and it seemed to really trigger even worse behavior And after the accident Hannah had to lay in bed for a few weeks and recover And this was really hard for them because Larry actually had to work more to make up for her lost hours because they had just bought some new property and they had to keep up the payments for it. They tried to get babysitters and family and friends to come over and watch Andrew, but eventually they would all, you know, not want to come anymore because Andrew's behavior was just so bad. So Andrew's Eating habits were still getting worse and he even was starting to get up in the middle of the night and try to get things out of the kitchen. One morning his father Larry decided to have him just eat whatever he wanted for breakfast. He thought maybe he would just eat until he was full or maybe he would eat until he threw up and that would teach him a lesson. So Larry made him a full plate of sausages and a dozen eggs and apparently he ate every last bit of it and he kept eating until he eventually threw up and then he asked for more. So this was obviously a major issue for him. So since he kept getting up in the middle of the night to go to the kitchen, they decided to end up installing a camera in his room so they could watch him during the night. And on the camera they saw him trying to eat part of the foam mattress and also paint off of the wall. So at this point they're like, What is going on? So they decided to bring him to the adoption therapist and have a little bit of a chat. And that's when the supervisor suggested that Andrew might have something called Pika, which is something that has always fascinated me. It's basically where you have cravings to eat things that are not There are a lot of people that have this. I've seen plenty of TLC shows about this I'm sure you guys have too people who just eat random different things It's honestly bizarre, but it's a real medical condition And they start to think that maybe Andrew has that and it's maybe not something behavioral It's more of a you know a medical struggle that he's dealing with so they made an appointment with his doctor to get that checked out then they also had an issue with his temper tantrums getting a lot worse So on October 2nd, 2006, Larry took the rest of the family out to go to church and Hannah stayed home with Andrew to have some one-on-one time with him. So pretty soon after they left, Andrew already started asking if he could have lunch and Hannah told him that he needed to wait because Larry was going to be bringing lunch home and he did not like this answer. He went to his room and threw a huge tantrum and this is something that he had done before but Andrew ended up shitting all over his room and wiping it, smearing it all over the walls, the bed, pretty much everywhere. Now, this is something that some kids will do, especially kids with behavioral issues. It's a way to lash out or to get a parent's attention, um, but it's not completely uncommon. So, after he did this, they ended up having to throw out his bed sheets and they kept putting it in the trash. And Larry said that every time they would put it in the trash, Andrew would keep going to the trash and taking them out. And so they finally decided to burn them. Now this is very strange to me. Feels like there's like other things you could have done first, like maybe just taking it to a dumpster away from the house or literally taking it outside to the trash can, unless he was literally going outside to get it. But anyway, Larry decided to burn the sheets on the grill. I have never really heard of someone using their grill to like burn something like that. Like I feel like that would just mess up your grill. I mean you are cooking food on a grill, so putting dirty, shitty bed sheets on a grill and burning them seems very strange to me. And they didn't even burn them all the way. They were like kind of stuck to the grill. It almost seemed like the sheets ruined the grill, but anyway. And they also said that to clean Andrew, they sprayed him down with a hose outside.
1: What are you doing hosing him down in the backyard? I mean, it sounds like something you see in a movie about prisoners.
2: He was filthy. He's all
1: over him. You have and a shower.
2: I do have a shower. And, and in retrospect, I probably would have made, I would have definitely made that
1: decision. So they had a four-year-old boy naked
0: in the yard and hose him down with a hose. That seems harsh. And this is also very strange they also had to clean andrew's actual mattress and so the mattress was wet and he couldn't sleep on it that night so instead of having him like sleep on a couch or having him sleep in bed with them or something they had him sleep on the bed frame like just the wooden bed frame and This has been very controversial in it. Some people don't see too much wrong with it. I think it's very, very weird. I don't understand why you would make a child sleep on a wooden bed frame. Like, my parents never would have done that to me as a punishment. I know people, like, have varying degrees of punishment. And I'm also one of those people who would probably never spank my kids, but, like, I feel like a wooden bed to sleep on is pretty harsh of a punishment for a young child who is struggling with all these issues from being abused like it's not like he's just doing this he is messed up like you know what you're getting into with foster kids I could rant on about this I think that was a very strange move but I do understand that I Necessarily don't understand what it was like to have six kids in that house and to be dealing with a child with that bad of problems I don't even have one child so I can't imagine what it would be like to have that many and a child who is Putting feces all over the walls and throwing tantrums and eating everything like I understand it can be very stressful so I guess you kind of have to make your own mind up about what you think about that whole situation. So this was the day before something worse happens. The following day is October 3rd, 2006 larry had left for work early that day hannah was home with andrew and another one of their sons and she was still recovering from that accident so she was still in a ton of pain that morning she made the boys breakfast and after breakfast they went and laid in bed with her so that she could kind of rest and they could just watch cartoons in her room at some point hannah ended up falling asleep and when she woke up andrew was no longer in the room and so hannah Ran out into the rest of the house. She went into the kitchen and she found him like with his face in the baking ingredients I took it
2: away from him and put it back and don't even remember what it was that he had
0: I don't know if it were me and my child had like gotten into the pantry I would definitely find out what they had been eating, but she just said baking ingredients, so it could have been anything So she dealt with that situation and then Andrew wanted lunch already. And she said, no, you have to wait until dad gets home. But again, Andrew did not like this answer and he proceeded to go ahead and poop again and spread it all over the kitchen floor. So after she cleaned this up, she just decided to give in. I mean, she was in a ton of pain. She was like, whatever at this point. And she decided to make him some soup and she added some Crayol seasoning into it. So he ate that and then he said he was still hungry after that and so she decided to let him have another bowl of soup with the seasoning in it. And then after that, he said he was still hungry and he was demanding more food from her. So she decided to fill him up a sippy cup with water and the kraal seasoning inside of the sippy cup, which I thought was so, so strange. I just don't understand why someone would do that. I've never heard of someone doing that. Maybe she thought that He would like the taste of it and it would kind of make him stop asking, but I just think it's so weird to give a kid a sippy cup of water and seasoning, like very strange. Anyway, even after she gave him this water, Andrew ended up throwing a temper tantrum, like a bad one for 20 minutes. And then about 20 minutes into it, he started to chill out and he almost started to chill out too much. He started really quieting down.
2: and ended up throwing it. My first thought was that he threw up because of the fit he was throwing. Mm -hmm. He kept saying he was cold. I thought that he had some sort of stomach virus. But as time went by, it was clear this wasn't just the flu. He started breathing funny at that point more kind of like he was having an asthma attack hannah said
0: he started acting like he had the flu all of a sudden his breathing became kind of short and she could tell that it was kind of hard for him to breathe almost like an asthma attack she said he fell to the floor became less and less responsive so she threw him in the car and it took him to the clinic to get looked at. However, Hannah says that right as they pulled up and they were about to get out of the car he completely stopped breathing. He fell into a coma and doctors did everything that they could but sadly he passed away the following day. So it was very very fast. So obviously they ran tests on him immediately to figure out what was wrong and when they did they found that he had an insane amount of salt he had twice the amount of normal sodium levels for a human and doctors also determined that he had a brain bleed
1: the toxic levels of sodium caused Andrew's brain to swell and his organs to shut down
0: and the medical examiner decided that the cause of death was
2: poisoning extremely extremely important how he, he behaved what he did and then what measures you took I think I already did well okay because there must be some things missing do you think that maybe we need to call the emergency medical people we were we that's what we were trying to decide and then we just decided to be quicker just to run up to the emergency thing on the corner
1: why didn't it occur to you call
2: 911 I mean that just seems like the automatic thing you're sitting there watching this child die and you don't do anything how do you do that i don't understand that we had been told that we couldn't come back to the hospital so we um, we sent my mom and my stepdad and my pastor up there and we sat with him
0: and no one wasted any time they immediately arrested hannah and larry all of their kids had to go into temporary housing it was really really hard for them there was a funeral held for andrew it was just a terrible time for everyone right away hannah was saying i'm innocent i did not poison my son i did not purposely give him a lot of salt i mean think about it he did go into the pantry and could have eaten a ton of salt before she even gave him the soup and stuff that could have just added to the problem
2: your child dies to be told that somebody thinks it's your fault we were just waiting for someone to look at it and say this is just an accident and instead and we're arrested so after they you know
0: interviewed her and stuff they decided to do a search of their house and when they got there things looked a little weird first of all andrew's bed It's just a wooden board basically this doesn't look good very weird to make a kid sleep on a bed like that Like I said and then they go outside and they find his bed sheets freaking burned on the grill like half burnt bed sheets. It just looks strange whether or not that shows anything It doesn't look good medical examiner also noted that there was blunt force trauma on the head which they ended up changing that because He did have like a bunch of blood pulled up on the top of his head, but that hemorrhage could have been caused by the salt as well. There was no evidence of external bleeding and you can have bruising and hemorrhaging like that if you have those higher sodium levels in your blood. But then they had another concern because Hannah's other children were being interviewed by the police and they basically told them that to punish them, Hannah and Larry would put spicy stuff on their tongues and this was kind of odd, but I guess it's kind of like a Southern thing. I don't know. I'm dying to know if any of you guys have ever done this, but or had this done to you. Let's hope you guys aren't doing this to kids, but I guess Hannah had worked as like a nanny for a pastor's family, and he had this whole program for, like, raising and disciplining kids. And one of the methods was to put a hot pepper flake on a kid's tongue if they were bad. And she kind of took this method into her own house.
1: pepper?
2: Yeah, pepper. What what does that mean? It's, like, spicy and it hurt your mouth.
0: So they went to trial and basically the prosecution said that Hannah probably gave Andrew many teaspoons of seasoning, just teaspoons of it, forced him to take it down and then didn't call 911 when he was slowly dying so that he would just die and she wouldn't have to deal with him anymore because he was a pain to deal with. You know, he was very difficult and they also pointed out that, you know, he is their only unbiological son. Does she love him the same as her other? Other children would she possibly actually murder a child who isn't her own. They really went off the fact that you know Hannah was a medical professional. She really should have known to take Andrew to the hospital sooner than she did which arguably so and it does make you raise an eyebrow but once you know the whole story it makes a bit of sense. Since Andrew was still in that like trial adoption period they could not make medical decisions for him at all because technically the state still had custody of him. They couldn't even make any appointments or decisions for him unless they got the state to do it for them. But another thing that was really used in the defense side was Hannah's behavior when she was being interrogated. Uh, It is very strange. She was smiling a lot. She says that it's a nervous smile. It seems weird to me. It definitely doesn't seem like what you would think, but that's the thing with crimes though, is you never really know how someone is going to deal with grief or trauma. So it's hard to judge someone's initial actions. And so, I don't know. You guys will have to be the
2: judge of this video. School is an EMT and then I had a baby. Extremely, extremely important. How he, he behaved, what he did, I and mean, then what measures you took. I think I already did. Well, okay, because there must be some things missing. Well, he's shaking, he's saying he's cold, what can it be, you know? (laughs) know? Mm -hmm. But at that point he was still awake, (laughs) just not, you know, he
1: was still breathing, he was still moaning. There was more damning testimony, this time from Andrew's foster mother, before he lived with the Overton's, Sharon Hamill. Andrew was not a difficult child to take care of. At least he was not when he was with me. I used to keep fruit and things on the table, and I never had Andrew take anything off of the table and hide it or eat it. But Hannah told the jury the exact opposite.
2: We did have problems
1: with him. He had a um, real obsession
2: with eating. When mealtime was over, it almost always ended in tears.
0: So they ended up interviewing people at the hospital and one of the nurses in the ER ended up saying that Hannah did not act like a grief stricken, freaked out patient. She was actually smiling while they were performing CPR on Andrew, which you kind of have to take the nurse's word for that, but that's pretty strange as well. And another nurse also said that they noticed Hannah's smirk when they were giving CPR to Andrew. So on September 7th of 2007, Hannah was sentenced to
2: life in
0: prison. Jen? Read the jury find the defendant, Anna Ruth Overton,
2: guilty. I was so shocked. I didn't even say goodbye to the kids in the morning.
0: Apparently, the jury only really had two decisions. They could either acquit her completely, or they could send her to life in prison. So, really intense choice. Larry Overton was also charged with murder, but after his wife's conviction, he was offered a plea deal and given probation. And after he was put on probation, his charges were completely dismissed. So Hannah was sent to prison for life. And Larry was forced to raise their five kids on his own, which was extremely stressful for him. And it was also really, really hard on their poor kids.
1: I don't know
2: how we've made it this long and this far, but we have. I've had my moments of being overwhelmed and feeling like I can't do this anymore. It took me about three years before I could even sleep in our room again. And it's been tough. I don't know that you get used to it, I think you get numb to it. I miss her a lot. There's little things that most people take for granted, like getting to hug your mom and helping you with homework and stuff. I miss when she used to tuck me into my bed every night and how she used to play with me. I get three contact visits with her, which means that I can sit across the table from her and hold her hand. But the kids, the kids can only talk to her through bulletproof glass and over telephones. It sometimes works, sometimes don't. Isabel is getting to that age where she's starting to grow into a young woman and I'm missing that. She taught me how to do my hair. And I had to teach Emma how to do her hair. It's just I kind of have to do some of my mom's job. She needs her mom. She does. How, How do you
0: cope with that? You know, Hannah was built to be a mom, loved being a mom. And now she was watching her kids grow up from jail not knowing if she would ever get to see some of the biggest moments of their lives. But the more that people looked at her case, the more they realized that her sentence was really bullshit. So Hannah and her defense team decided that they were going to appeal the sentence. And the people in this community were really kind of polarized on the situation, kind of somewhere where I am. I'm, that's why I'm so curious about what you guys think of all this. I am so, I don't know. A lot of people strongly believe that she was innocent and that she would never do something like this, and then a lot of people think that maybe she did. From the interviews with Hannah, she doesn't strike me as someone who would do this. She, from her actions and her life and her charitable giving, she doesn't seem like someone who would do something like this. But there is so many weird little things, like the sheets and the bed and the sippy cup filled with the seasoning that gives people a reason to be like, hmm, but is that enough to convict someone of murder and sentence them to life in prison, like that's pretty intense. So the church that her family attended definitely got involved with this. They really backed her up. They ended up raising a million dollars for her defense. And in addition to this, three different attorneys who were considered to be some of the best in the state of Texas ended up working for her for free. And during the appeals trial, one of the prosecutors that originally testified against Hannah ended up switching their position and testifying for her. And one of Hannah's attorneys, Cynthia Orr, made a huge discovery. She ended up coming across documents that showed that Andrew's stomach contents did not actually have an elevated amount of salt when he arrived to the care clinic. They were actually only including blood sodium levels from his blood tests, not the salt in his stomach.
1: He also had scratches and bruises all over his body, I think, which the prosecution used to illustrate their contention that Hannah was somehow abusive. And the very reason that the emergency doctors missed the diagnosis as well, continued to give him sodium for an hour and a half before they determined he had hypernatremia. This high sodium, Dr. Mortz, if he'd been called to testify, would have told the jury, causes the blood to stop clotting. And so with a child like this, any scratch, any minor injury is going to bleed. And not only that, any sort of slight bump is going to cause bleeding under the skin, which results in bruising. So you can imagine with the heroic, life-saving efforts being made with Andrew. He was being more than bumped and 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 scratched and moved he had tubes he had uh, clips he had uh, cpr being done uh, and everything was bruising him and scratching him uh, so the doctors who didn't understand it thought they were seeing an abused child, and they weren't.
0: They also found that there was no sign of dehydration or lack of water, which is something that you would do if you were trying to poison someone with salt. Like, you probably wouldn't give them soup because there's a lot of water in it, and if you want someone to die of salt, you'd want them to have, like, water and in the first trial they had argued that Andrew had shown a lot of different signs of abuse on his body but they realized that a lot of these marks like he had bruises and kind of bumps and stuff they realized that a lot of these he didn't have when he actually got to the hospital most of them were made by hospital staff trying to save his life I mean they're poking him putting IVs in him moving him around and stuff and he had this salt problem which causes blood to pull up and make a bruise. So he looked like he was in pretty bad condition once his body made it to the medical examiner. So in the appeals trial, Hannah's defense team basically argued that Andrew probably ate bunch of salt when she found him in the pantry eating baking supplies he probably over salted himself because he had that eating disorder it may seem like insane for someone to eat enough salt like that would be really gross but if you have that eating disorder you don't care about what it tastes like like you're just doing it there's definitely a good chance that he could have had this a lot of kids in foster care do have this disorder
2: looking into the medical literature there are reports of that and and salt taking in too much salt can actually be be quite dangerous and deadly
1: how does it kill you salt poisoning
2: well our our bodies regulate salt very precisely and if you take in too much salt and rises in your blood that can cause bleeding in your brain seizures coma and and death and it can be extremely hard to treat
0: in my opinion even though i really question the whole parenting decisions that they made like the 24 hours before andrew died and i think there's some strange things for sure I definitely don't think there was enough to sentence Hannah Overton to life in prison for murder. I do not think she purposely killed Andrew Bird. So the state's Court of Criminal Appeals ended up overturning her conviction in 2014, which was, you know, absolutely amazing for her.
1: You're free to go. That's what the district attorney, Mark Gonzalez, said to Hannah Overton today. Good evening, everyone. I'm Joe Gaze. And I'm Riarte. After serving seven years behind bars, charged for killing her foster son, Hannah Overton, was formally declared innocent on all counts today. Hannah Overton is a free woman. (laughs)
2: Ecstatic. (laughs) don't even know where to begin. On Wednesday, Overton celebrated with friends and family in the lobby of the Nueces County Courthouse. I'm just so excited that this day has finally come. Overton was convicted in 2007 for the death of her four-year-old foster son, Andrew Byrd. It's still a little overwhelming. The last time I was in that courtroom, I was in shackles, so walking up, I was pretty scared still. And, um, I mean, it's, it's amazing, it's but it's still a little overwhelming. I think it'll take a while to sink in. The state appeals court ruled her legal defense was ineffective, sending the case back to Nueces County, where it was dropped. She's innocent of this, of this crime. District Attorney Mark Gonzalez says, in his opinion, Overton should never have been convicted of the charges
1: in the first place.
2: A lot of times you have to look past how it may uh, seem politically um, and do the right thing.
1: The law says that a district attorney is supposed to not just seek convictions, but seek justice. And rarely do you get to see that. In all that time, Overton says she never lost her faith in
2: God. It's wonderful to be home with my family. and. It's been crazy busy and, and exciting. It's it's hard because transitioning is hard and after everything that I've been through, it you know it, that that takes a toll,
0: but God is good. Um, she had spent seven years in jail, which is still a lot, but after all this time she was finally able to get out and reconnect with her husband and her five kids. Most recently, in March of 2018, Hannah was actually granted over $600,000.
1: Welcome back. The state of Texas has given more than half a million dollars to the woman who was once convicted of murdering her foster son. The Texas Comptroller's Office tells Christix News they've sent a check to Hannah Overton for more than $573,000. On top of that, starting next March, Overton will receive a $2,600 check from the state every month for the rest of her life. In 2007, Overton was convicted of capital murder for the salt poisoning death of her four-year-old foster son Andrew Byrd. She was sentenced to life in prison, but Overton served just seven years of that sentence. An appeals court overturned the conviction because key evidence was left out of that trial. Because her conviction was overturned, the state must compensate her for the time she spent in prison.
0: Hannah also ended up having another baby in June of 2018. So she has six kids again. I think this is such a strange story, but I don't think these people are killers. I think they definitely maybe were a bit in over their head and maybe adopting Andrew wasn't the best fit for them. I definitely think some of their decisions were super odd like I said but I really want to know what you guys think of this case. I just don't think there's enough evidence to show that Hannah purposely did anything to him as weird as it is to give your kid a sippy cup filled with water and seasoning because I really do think that there's a good possibility that while Hannah was sleeping that Andrew went and got and ate a bunch of salt. And you know, another thing to point out is like, if your kid has these problems, then you probably shouldn't be sleeping while he's able to get to the kitchen and do something like that. Cause that shows how dangerous something like that can be. So if anything, I think there's some really bad parenting mistakes here, just mistakes that a lot of parents could have made. And especially under the stress they were in, you know, they were having financial stress. She has six kids six and she just got in this car accident. She's in a ton of pain. So I think mistakes definitely happened. It's a very sad story though. It seems like Andrew just had such a horrible, short little life and I feel really sorry for him in this situation. I also feel sorry for Hannah for having to spend seven years in jail. I mean, that's crazy. I really don't think she purposely did this.